Okay, um, we're going to open up God's Word together. Um, Anne is going to come and read for us from Acts chapter 2. going to read from verse 14 of Acts chapter 2 through to verse 41. Quite a long reading, so you can follow it along in your Bible as Anne reads God's Word to us. So, Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billions of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as yourselves known. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and for foreknowledge. And you, with the help of the wicked, help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my great right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will in rest of hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me paths of life. You will fill me with joy of your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that David died was, and was buried in his tomb here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him the oath that he would place on his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all to witness of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father and promised the Holy Spirit and he's poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all, the Israel, let all Israel be assured God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter, and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, 
for all who are far off, for whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message and were baptized, about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Amen. Thank you, Anne, for reading God's word to us and for us. Let's just take a moment to pray before we think about these words. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, we once again thank you for the gathering of your people here in Carnmoney. Lord God, we thank you for the beauty of your church. We thank you that you put us together from all different kinds of backgrounds, people of all ages. You've gifted us all in our own unique way. You put us together in this body of people. Lord God, and you call upon us not only to put our trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, but then to serve him as the king of our hearts, to make his name known in this world so that many more would come to know and put their trust in him. Father, we thank you for this church family. And as we stand on the, the brink of an ignition week and the beginning of a, a whole new season, Lord God, we commit ourselves once again to you, Father. Lord God, we, we turn our attention towards your word. Father, we seek your heart for us as your people. And Lord, within our church family, as we think about vision and as we think about a new season, some of us are just so weary at the moment. Some of us can hardly think about the year that is to come because life right now is so heavy and is so difficult. And so, Lord, in a few moments of quiet, we just remember those in our church who, who are suffering, those who are perhaps bereaved recently, those who are ill, those, Lord God, who suffer with poor mental health, those for whom even just being here this morning is a massive deal. Lord, we pray for families who are struggling in the background, for those of us concerned about other loved ones within our families. Lord, we remember those who can't make it out anymore those who are housebound, too ill to make it out the door, those lying in a hospital bed this morning. So Father, we do pray a special blessing upon those tuned in online, listening right now, live with us, but they can't be with us in person. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would draw near to them that you would assure them of your presence, that you would pour out your peace upon them. And Lord God, as we come to your word, Father, we thank you as always that your word speaks to us, that it's alive, it's the living, breathing word of God. And so come now, we pray, Holy Spirit of God, take the word of God and make it come alive in the hearts of the people of God gathered here and listening in online. All for the glory of your great name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep your Bible open at those verses in Acts chapter 2. Vision is essential for survival, writes one pastor. He says it is spawned by faith 
sustained by hope, sparked by imagination, and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, and the expected. No wonder, he says, we perish without vision. And so here in this church, we have vision. We have a vision for what we want to see God do among us. We also know very clearly what our mission is. And so we do have a mission statement that we believe is in line with the scriptures. And our mission as a church here in Carmoney is this. We exist for worship, community, and witness as disciples who make disciples of Jesus in our community, the city, and the nations. That's our mission. We will always be about that mission. We will not stray from that. That is who we are as the people of God. But we also have vision that's tied in very, very closely with that, that mission. We have a clear picture that's in front of us as a church of who we want to be. It's a picture of who we have become as God's people here. And it's a picture of who we are becoming and who we eagerly desire to become into the future. It's a vision we believe that's spawned by our faith in Jesus sustained by our hope in him alone, sparked by our imagination, and strengthened by our enthusiasm. And I guess that's a big part of this four-week series. We really want to spark off all of that within your heart again. We want you to, to be really enthused about what we believe God is calling us to as a church that you would have the vision that we have, that you would carry that, that it would be what you see in front of you and that you would eagerly desire to be involved in that, that there would be sparks of vision even this morning that are going off within your heart, that you would be strengthened with an enthusiasm as we enter a new year about the vision of this church family. That's what I'm praying for myself, that I would be strengthened with enthusiasm for the year that is to come. It goes without saying. I came up last night, you maybe saw it on Facebook and recorded a little off-the-cuff video giving thanks to the Lord for one year here in this church. For me and for our family, we couldn't be more thankful. And in that moment, it was just gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done. I got back in the car and I thought, you know what? Well done, Stuart. You didn't talk about any of the neg negative stuff, you know, the difficulties. Because church life is hard. Church life is really, really hard. Your life is hard. And so we all need to be filled and enthused, strengthened within us for the year that's in front of us. We need to be encouraged to get into the vision, to get on board, to be strengthened in that, despite all that goes on in life, that there would be a gratitude as we enter this new season. So we're beginning this four-week vision series, Strengthened with enthusiasm. And our vision as a church is this. Our desire is to be a healthy church with a growing influence where everyone is all in to three things, going deeper as disciples, growing closer as family, and reaching wider in our witness for the Lord. That's our vision, going deeper as disciples of Jesus, growing closer as a big family of God's people, really important to us, and then reaching wider in our witness for him. 
As I began to revisit this over the last couple of weeks, the Spirit of God really impressed upon my heart and led me once again to these verses in Acts chapter 2, particularly the verses at the end that Anne didn't read this morning, verses 42 to 47. We're going to think about those verses for the rest of the month of September where we get this really clear picture of the inaugural church, the, the first church, if you like, in the New Testament, who they were, what they were committed to as the priority of their heart and how God was at work among those early believers in this fledgling faith community. We're going to come to that next week. The temptation for us would be to look at the church in Acts chapter 2, the way we sometimes look at Genesis 2 before the fall, um, where we see Adam and Eve in the garden, unblemished by sin, in communion with the Lord, and we think, what a picture that is before sin came in and corrupted the whole world. Sometimes we think of the church in Acts 2 a little bit like that. Oh, they were the perfect church. They had it all together. We're not going to be that naive this morning. This is way after the fall of humanity. And this is a group of sinful people saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus trying to live in community, in fellowship and, and in, on mission for him. So they had their faults, and the New Testament kind of goes into that detail, doesn't it? The letters of Paul, where he's addressing issues within the church. But right now, in this moment, at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we get this picture of a church who start off really well. There are some really encouraging signs of life and what the Lord was doing in those very early days. What they prioritized, what they emphasized as a church seems to be, for me anyway, some of the most important things that we ought to prioritize as the church of Jesus Christ today. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to break that down. And the beautiful picture that we see in Acts 2, 42 to 47, what we see as we look into these verses is a church going deeper as disciples, growing closer as family, and reaching wider in their witness as the Lord works. So that's really exciting. Acts 2, 42 to 47 really ties in with our vision for the church here in Carmoney. But this morning, I want to go backwards a little bit, back into those moments that Anne read for us. Well done, Anne. That was a long reading. You did really well. Back into those moments leading up to um, this description of the church at the end of Acts 2. You see, at the beginning of Acts 2, Luke recounts for us the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. K.S. Latteret, who is a one-time professor at Yale University in the United States, church historian and author, he writes about the factors that account for the extraordinary victory of Christianity. Here's what he says. He says, it is clear at the very beginning of Christianity that there must have occurred a vast, listen to this, a vast release of energy, virtually unequaled in history. Nothing else could explain the surge of the early Christian movement. What caused this release of energy, he writes, lies outside of the realm in which modern historians are supposed to move. And he continues, he says, but before I am a historian, he says, I am human. How can I close my eyes to the obvious explanation that something supernatural happened? 
Pentecost something unprecedented, something totally supernatural happened. And what we see in the book of Acts is this vast surge or release of energy from heaven poured out upon the people of God. If we think about that word surge, it's a really interesting word. The word surge just means a sudden, powerful forward or upward movement. Um, as I thought about this, I thought about um, our holiday in Florida. I thought about Typhoon Lagoon and the, the wave pool. If anyone's been there, it's frightening. You hear this boom and then the wave comes and it's a surge that comes towards you and you're just standing looking at this wave thinking, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm about to die. And then bodies fly in the air. You maybe get a foot in the face and a kick somewhere else and then the wave's over your head. But it's a surge. It's a boom and a surging wave comes flying towards you and it's a good description of this idea of a surge, a, a movement that happens. And what we see here at the beginning of, of the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost was this unparalleled surge in the kingdom of God, this movement forward. The floodgates, if you like, open wide and gospel waves break forth into the streets of Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit moves in power. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus after this one sermon of Peter's that Anne read from a few moments ago. My prayers, Lord, if only three would even come to faith, how good that would be. Lord, let people come to faith when your word is preached. 3,000 people come to faith on the day of Pentecost when the apostle Peter stands up and raises his voice. See, the beginning of a new term, it's what we long for, isn't it? We long for a release of energy, a surging movement of the Spirit of God. Many people coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, do we long for that? Do we want people to encounter the life-giving presence of King Jesus? Is that what we want to introduce people to? Do you want to see people come to know Jesus? The fullness of life that he brings. A flooding in of new faith. A surging work of the Spirit. That's what I'm praying for. If we don't long for that, why are we here? If we don't long for a surging work of the Spirit of God in our day and in our generation, then why are we here? People finding life in Jesus' name. That's our vision. It's what we want to see. And so very quickly, three things that I think we see in Peter's sermon that, that are vital for us to consider as we lead into this season of looking again at what it means to go deeper, to grow closer, and to reach wider. The first thing is this, Pentecost is interpreted. The second thing, Jesus is affirmed by Peter in these verses, and then a response is demanded from the people who are listening. A, a response is just demanded of the people, the word the word demands a response. People have to respond to what Peter has spoken about. So Pentecost is firstly interpreted by Peter. He's the spokesman. He stands up for the disciples. He assumed that role. Maybe he had the loudest voice. Maybe he had the biggest courage. He stands up. He's bold. And in verse 14, we read this. It says, and you can picture the scene. It says, then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Picture it. 
Huge crowd in front of him. Peter stands up, raises his voice, no microphone, addresses the crowd, and he says this, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Then he says, listen carefully to what I say. He wants to get the people's attention. Let me explain this to you. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. And then Peter goes on and he explains to the crowd that's gathered there that far be it an early morning, you know, pouring out into the streets of drunk disciples from the pubs and the bars of Jerusalem. He says, no, what you're seeing all around you is in fact the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Prophesied by the prophet Joel, God's end time salvation had arrived through the life, the death, the resurrection, the exaltation of Jesus Messiah. And what they see in those moments is the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the early believers. A really important side note, you know, it's important that, and we say this at Alpha as well, by the way, that that this is not the birth of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was very much active and present throughout the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is co-eternal, co-existent. He co-labors with the Father and the Son from eternity past. And yet in Acts 2, what we see is something really significant and unique. It's the first day of the last days and we witness the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people. Heaven quite literally opens in these moments and the Holy Spirit surges forth in energy and there's this release of power from heaven that changes the world forever. The world would never be the same again. And so Peter draws on the prophecy of Joel and he describes what this outpouring will look like. And he says three things. He says this outpouring will be regardless of gender, Okay, so your sons and your daughters will prophesy, both men and your woman. Be regardless of gender, the Spirit will be poured out. It will be regardless of age. He talks about young men seeing visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What old men are dreaming dreams? I want to hear them. What dreams is the Lord putting on the hearts and the minds of our older men. It'll be regardless of social status. That does not matter. We read that even on my servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, writes Joel. It's a great reminder for us as a church family, as we enter a new season, the empowering presence the power of the Holy Spirit and the fulfilling of the mission and vision of the church of Jesus Christ is available to all believers. All believers. So this year, this season, I'm calling upon every single one of us who trust in Christ for salvation. Every single one of us who know Jesus to be all in in the vision that God has given us as a church. doesn't matter who you are. Maybe you're sitting here and you don't think you've much to offer. I would beg to differ. Maybe you're sitting here and you think you're too old. You're not too old. You're never too old. You, you, 
Again, just watch you look at you elderly folk. You are not too old. I mean that with everything that's within me. You have not had your day. You hear me? You have not had your day. This church needs you. The vision of this church, we need you. You young people in the room, listen up. You're not too young. You are not too young. You're not too young to be all in in what the Lord wants to do in and through this church. God gives vision to young people. God sets a fire in the hearts of young people, fired up, eagerly desiring to know him more, to represent King Jesus in this world. You're not too young. Consider yourself rich. Consider yourself poor. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The empowering presence and power of the Holy Spirit and fulfilling the mission and the vision of the church is available to all believers. Hear this though, it's not going to just happen. It doesn't just happen. We don't just wake up one day and think, you know what, maybe, maybe today I'm just, I'm just going to be all in on the vision of what God is doing in this church and some kind of switch will just flick. It doesn't work that way. Remember last week, if you were here, to me it felt kind of significant actually. Um, thinking about how we trust in the sovereignty of God and we do that, we affirm that again today. God is sovereign. He rules and reigns over all things. We believe that. But God also grants to us a human responsibility that we must take as the people of God. Human responsibility for our own spiritual well-being. Coming to church is really good. Don't stop doing that. But your spiritual well-being is formed and fashioned every single day as you seek the Lord in the place of devotion and worship. It doesn't just happen. And so this year, this season, as we enter into a new term, let's intentionally posture and position ourselves into the vision. You're sitting here this morning. Decide in your heart that you're going to posture yourself into the vision, towards the actual outworking of going deeper, growing closer, and reaching wider. You know, we, we can't go deeper with God if we stay in the shallow end of our faith. We can't go deeper with the Lord if we don't intentionally carve out time and space to be with Him. We can't grow closer to other peoples within the fellowship of the church if we constantly keep our distance from other people. We can't reach wider in our witness if we don't intentionally position ourselves towards the lost in our lives. We must be intentional with all of that. And so Peter interprets Pentecost and he says that the Spirit of God will be poured out on all people. Then Peter moves on and he affirms Jesus. I love this. At the beginning of a new term, this is really important for us as well, that we're reminded of who Jesus is, the Son of God. And, and Peter makes it really clear to the crowd gathered about who Jesus is. Going to go through this really fast. Verse 22, he says, he was a man, a real man from a real place. Remember that? Fully man. 
fully God. He was a real man, but he says he was no mere man. Jesus was divine. He was accredited by God to the people through miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 23, he was handed over by God. But these people, they nailed him to a cross. Let's never forget that. The Son of God was nailed to a cross, and they crucified him to death. Peter reminds them of that. But then he says, verse 23, he's the risen Lord. He's raised to life again. Death could not hold him, praise God. Then on down in verse 32, his resurrection was witnessed by people. Very important fact. Peter says, we saw him. He was resurrected and we witnessed him. Verse 33, he's exalted now to the right hand of God the Father. He has poured out what they now see and hear, the promised Holy Spirit. And then in verse 36, Peter says, be assured of this. Be assured of this. Don't be under any illusions. He says, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He makes it really clear who Jesus is, the Son of God. The really interesting thing in all of this, verse 23, we read that that Jesus was handed over by the people. But Peter says it was by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. In other words, God was always in control. Again, last week, remember that? It's the sovereign hand of God. God never took his hands off all that was happening. God is the great architect. He's the master designer. His plan of redemption will never be stopped. Even when wicked people think they are stopping the plan of God, he will never be stopped. This is our courage today. As we enter a new term, this is our courage. God is sovereign. He will not be stopped. His plan of redemption is being worked out all around us, and he invites us into that. And so, Carmoney Church, as we revisit our vision, we remind ourselves that we love and we serve and we worship. We recommit our hearts to the God of all victory. This is the winning team. This is the winning team. We are on the side of victory. We praise God for that. That's our courage as we go into another year. The enemy tried, but the enemy failed. The enemy of God tried to wipe the church out, but he failed. And we're still here. Maybe that's a word for someone, individually or personally. Maybe you feel like in your life the enemy has tried to wipe you out. He's tried to wipe out your faith. He's maybe even this morning tried to stop you coming here. Well, you're here. Praise God, you are here and you're still standing. And the reminder is, he's been defeated. The victory belongs to the Lord. Praise his name. Thank you. And so Peter affirms Jesus as the centerpiece around which everything revolves. The whole vision, the whole mission of the church revolves around the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's be reminded of that as we go in to a new season. Whatever part of, your church, of our church family that you serve in, that you volunteer in, that you lead in, this is all about King Jesus. Everything that we do. Every activity, every movement of this church revolves around Jesus 
at the center. The final thing that we see here is the response that's demanded from the people. Um, we read that when the, the, the crowd heard this, when they heard this message about Jesus, um, they were cut to the heart. Um, they were cut to the heart. And they, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they say, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? We've heard the truth. Like, what should we do? What do we do now? They were cut to the heart. It was like a knife had penetrated deep within their being. In that moment, they realized their own, their own guilt in what had happened to the Son of God, that they were guilty, that they were the guilty ones, that they were culpable of what had happened to him, that they had been responsible for him being nailed to the cross. And in that moment, they are cut to the heart. That, that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us deep within our, our innermost beings. He cuts us to the heart. They came, the crowd in that moment, they came to this all-in moment, didn't they? They came to a moment of decision, a moment of response to God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks to us, he prompts us, he cuts into our heart. He reveals the truth to us and then he demands us to make a response to what we've heard from him. And so they're cut to the heart and they respond. We read that in this moment they, they repent of their sin and they're baptized and this little fledgling church goes from 120 to 3,120 in an instant. 3,000 come to faith. They repent, they're baptized. There is this vast release, this surge of energy from heaven as the Holy Spirit works. The gospel had literally exploded and the Spirit moved in power. The world would never be the same again. And so as we enter a new season, let's be aware of who we are Let's be aware of what it means to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. What it means to know him, to know the presence and power of his spirit at work within us. But let's cry out for more. Let's ask the Lord for a release of energy across everything that we do in this church. I'm gonna be honest, that's how I feel led today. I feel that God has spoken to me in this last week and that the thing he wants us to cry out for is for a releasing of energy, a surging of his power. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you sense that, that some of what I'm talking about is kind of, you feel like it's left you in some shape or form that like you're devoid of power. Maybe you've wandered from the Lord. Maybe you're not close to him. Maybe you're desperate to feel that sense of his presence and his empowering presence within your life. Maybe you're in that place. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to pray that you would sense the power of God once again in your life. Maybe you're sitting here and you're concerned about your organization starting up again or whatever it might be and all the pressures that are going to come with that. We're going to pray that the Lord would pour out his spirit, his power into all of that 
that we would know that, that we would feel that, that we would sense that, that things would happen this year, that we're like, goodness, this can only happen because of your power at work, oh God. Maybe it's in your family, your workplace. You just need, you need that release of energy again. Release of energy from the Father. That sense of renewed passion, power in the Holy Spirit. You live, serve the Lord. So we're going to sing in a moment. Let me invite you to stand. I'm going to pray, lead us in prayer. And then we're going to lift our voices in song again. Let's stand together. Really interesting because throughout the New Testament, um, we read um, of the gospel of power. So 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, Paul writes that our our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. The word for power is dunamis. And it's where we get our English word dynamite. We're going to pray that all that we do this season wouldn't just be words but that it would be filled with power. That gospel dynamite would go off all across our church family, in your life individually, right across this church, in this community. And so, Father, as we bow before you in these moments of response, Lord God, we're asking that everything we are about would be more than just words but that there would be a release of your power, power in the Holy Spirit. That's what we long for. Lord, save us from just going through any motions. Fill us with your Spirit and move this year in power. Maybe you're here this morning and there's a personal challenge for you in your family, in your home, in your personal life, you really know that you need a touch of the Lord's power. If that's you, just hold out your hands in response to God. And we pray for those people, Father, here this morning, personally struggling, or personally just eager for a sense of your power at work in and through them. Pour out your spirit on them, we pray on their home, upon their family, upon their workplace. May they sense our renewed energy of your spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and it's the ministry that you serve in as we go into this Ignition Week. You're really concerned that this year that there would be this movement of power, that God would work. You'll bring the words and the actions but you really desire a movement of the Spirit. Just hold out your hands and in response, Father, we pray that upon all of our ministry areas that you would pour out your power. Save us from mere words or mere actions. We pray that you would breathe your life into everything that we do, that we would sense and know your power. And Lord God, for our whole church family and this wider community, God, if we're just words, if we're just actions, Lord, if there is no sense of your spirit at work, 
we'll be lost into the new year. So Father, come. Move in power in this church family. Pour out your spirit upon us, we pray. May we see glimpses of that surging work of your spirit today among us and into the year that is to come. Father, give us, give us vision, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.